What is up, River family? It is Wednesday, which means it's our Wednesday Bible study. Here's why we do this. We want to grow together right where we are. So we hope that this encourages you. We hope it inspires you. So let's dive into his word. All right, what is up, everybody? It's Wednesday morning. You know what that means. It's our Wednesday morning Bible study. We do this every Wednesday. Here's our goals. We want to grow together right where we are in God's Word. And we do this by doing by reading the Bible in bite-sized portions. Um, now, I'm super excited. Obviously, our setup looks a little bit different um, because we have a guest from Tennessee on here with us. This is Bradley Brambig. Bradley is one of my old youth kids. Uh, Bradley, tell us uh, a little bit about what you're doing down in Tennessee. Man, so what we got going on is really exciting. Um, I'm in the middle of a church plant. I am working as a next-gen assistant. So that just means that I get the privilege of, of growing alongside these kids and helping them figure out what a life set apart by Jesus looks like from ages baby to 12th grade. So wide scope there, but it's a ton of fun. So, yeah, this is, I mean, this is awesome. So for me, this is a special moment. Because we get to do an online Bible study with one of my old youth kids who is in the ministry right now. So, Bradley, you've seen the text. It's starting to get nitty-gritty. If you got a Bible, we're in Mark chapter 14, getting closer and closer to the cross. We're going to start in verse 53, and I'm going to read all the way through 65, and then we're going to break it down. Subtitle is, Jesus Faces the Sanhedrin. It says, they led Jesus away to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes assembled. So all the, all the whole religious unit. Imagine this. Jesus, they, they've arrested him. They brought him. The whole religious unit is there. So Peter followed him at a distance, right into the high priest's courtyard. He was sitting with the servants, warming himself. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for a testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they could not find any. For many were giving false testimony against him, and the testimonies did not agree. Isn't that interesting? We'll, we'll break that down here in a little bit. Uh, it says, Some stood and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy the temple made with human hands, and in three days I'll build another one not made by hands. Yet their testimony did not even agree on this. Then the high priest stood up before them all and questioned Jesus, Don't you have an answer to what these men testify against you? But he kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest questioned him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? And he says the famous two words, Eloi me, I am. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and he said, why do we still need witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? And he says, they all condemned him deserving death. And they began to spit, to blindfold him, to beat him saying, prophesy. The temple servants took him and they slapped him. All right, Bradley, starting to get real a little bit, real intense, like physical abuse, all of this other stuff. What are you, what's standing out to you about this text? I mean, uh, the first thing that stands out to me is just the repetitiveness of false witnesses and, and how their testimonies do not agree. You know, you see it in 55 and you see it in 59 and, and, and that just is the first thing that stands out to me. And the, the second thing is just the weight of this situation. You know, I think that the, the passion of Christ does a pretty good job of, of capturing the weightiness of this trial and like how serious it is. But even though 
they do a good job. They still only show like the the council being like twenty people, but in reality, the council of priests and the chief priests would have would have come down to like seventy people. So this would have been just the priests alone would have been a good sized crowd, not counting any bystanders that came or witnesses that came. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so take that into perspective. Like if you're listening, you're watching online, you have 70 people giving testimonies and none of them match up. Like they're, it says that they're bearing false witness, which we know if these are the religious leaders, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shall not lie, right? So here we've yeah. got a bunch of people lying to put somebody on, uh, to, put, to, to put somebody to death. Uh, one of the things that I learned is Mosaic Law, when it came to trying to accuse somebody of violating the law, you had to have two uh, a witnessing accounts that were in agreement. So put that into perspective. 70 people claiming that this guy is trying to destroy stuff and there is no uh, no account that is coming into it. Even the, the temple account, right? Yeah. He, he, one of them steps up, says, well, yeah, he said he was going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, not made with his hands. Um, it was a capital offense uh, for somebody to, to destroy a religious uh, building, meeting place, something like that. So they had misinterpreted. This is quoting John chapter two. They had misinterpreted what Jesus said. When he's talking about the temple, he wasn't talking about the physical temple in that moment. He was talking about his body. He's referring to the crucifixion that you can destroy this temple and, and in three days it's coming back to life, which is what we just celebrated, right? The Easter, the Easter. Yeah. One of the, the other things that I think is interesting, and it's a little bit before the testimonies, is it said, uh, verse 54 says, Peter followed him at a distance. So this is, this is we're seeing a little bit, um, a, a little bit more of the, the Peter instead of the Simon aspect of it you know we see peter was like listen jesus i'll follow you to death and all of, and then jesus like no you're gonna deny me three times which bradley brought up we've talked about like in the last three uh bible studies which is the next text that we're getting into uh next week by the way but peter he says you're gonna deny me three times they go to the garden uh peter strikes the servant of the high priest and then they arrest jesus and it says that they scatter so now yeah he, after scattering Peter, coming back, and I think he's interested in what's going to happen. It says that he gathers by a fire. Now, the hard part is, is if Peter's trying to hide his identity, being by a giant lantern or a fire that produces light is not the best place to do it. Right. So, you know, but I... I find myself sympathizing with Peter even more in the, the next verse that we're going to, that y'all are going to try to tackle, you know, him denying him. Like there's a minimum of 70 people. There's no telling how many people are actually there. And he's watching, you know, it says at the end, like there's being physically abusive to Jesus at this point, the multitude of it, and, and people being abusive to the man that he's following and everything. It's like, there's no telling how many people are there, how many people are abusing Jesus and he denies them. And it's like, I, I would like to say I would do differently, but I still sympathize. I'm like, man, I, I don't know that I would have handled it any differently than Peter did. 
Isn't it? Um, do you think it's to me? It's kind of cool that you have uh, a bunch of people trying to accuse Jesus, and they can't come up with anything. Like realistically, like you look at the stories, the accusations that they're putting. It says that they can't. What What I'm trying to get at is that no, no matter what they were saying or trying to falsely accuse him of, it was Jesus's character that stood through. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it, which I think is a word to all of us. One of my favorite things um, when it comes to people is character. I think character matters more than anything in the world. And uh, if you're in a tough moment and, and people are spreading lies and all that other stuff, the, the truth of your character will shine through. I think it's a moment like this when people yeah. are going around about you. Nobody's accounts are going to testify. There's a cell phone ringing. Um yeah, they're calling the church. If that's you, I'm sorry, we're in a Bible study. <laughs> Just, uh, but if you're on trial and things are coming up against you, it's your character that shines through. Jesus was consistent. He was always himself. Um, and and because of that, nobody could bring anything against him. You know what I mean? They're yeah. even a lineup. Now, uh, we're going to go. Uh, the, the whole conversation goes from the people's testimony. Now, there's a big focus on the high priest from 60 through 63. And there's a lot of really good stuff that I think we're, is going to be a good spot for us to start landing the plane on. It says the, so the, the high priest changes what he's doing. He looks at Jesus. He says, man, what do you think about all of these accounts? And, and Jesus stays silent. Now you made yeah. a reference. Talk to us about what is that a reference to? Yeah. You know, it says <clears throat> all of these things. Um, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. And the scripture that stands out to me is Isaiah 53, 7, where it says that he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. And it just is yet another prophecy that is fulfilled through the life of Jesus at this time, you know, and Jesus is the lamb that is being led to the slaughter that he is going to remain silent. He is going to take this punishment and he's not going to fight it because he ultimately knows what his purpose is and what he's going to do, you know, and in the past in the Bible studies, you know, he, he prays and he says, Lord, take this cup from me. But if you don't, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, like he, he doesn't want this to happen. He still is man. And he, he understands the pain and the suffering that's going to come through it. But it it's just another testimony of how our hope and joy is not found in this world, but it's found eternally. That's good. And that's what ultimately gives Jesus the power and the strength to be a lamb. Yeah. Okay. So we're seeing prophecy fulfilled. And then uh, I think, imagine this, you're trying to get Jesus, you're the high priest trying to get Jesus to, test, to argue against these testimonies, which if I'm Jesus and I'm realizing that nobody's like Jesus is well aware of the mosaic law, right? So Jesus yeah. is watching all of this happen. Nobody's accounts coming up. Like maybe, well, I know Jesus is fulfilling Isaiah 53 when he does that. But a part of me is like, I wonder if like Jesus is like, I have nothing to say because you can't even come into agreement. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what you're saying is, 
is that, which, I mean, again, that that's not to take away from, like, this is legit, uh, Jesus fulfilling Isaiah 53. So the high priest, imagine the high priest is trying to get you to speak up, to say something, and you don't say anything. So then he goes and he challenges Jesus and he says, so are you the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed one? And Jesus will, well, actually, this is one of my favorite things, but Jesus says his name. If Jesus is the son of God, um, the name of God is, is really interesting. We see it mentioned in Exodus, in the Exodus narrative, where Moses comes to God or Moses is having a conversation with God and, and God gives him two things to say. Um, the first one is, eh, yeah, which means I will be, right? So when, when he says, well, if I go and tell the people that the God of our people sent us, what should, what it, well, they're going to ask me, what is his name? And he'll say, eh, yeah. And he's, that's like, I will be. But then he changes it and he says, tell them Yahweh. Like, yeah. He, and that's like a prophetic, I like it's a future tense thing, which eh, yeah, he will be or I am is how our English translation say it. So now Jesus is saying the name of God that they would have been familiar with, right? Yeah. And then he starts quoting Old Testament texts. You'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Father uh, and then coming with the clouds of heaven. So uh, let's go back to the high priest. Verse 63, it says he tore his robes and he's like, why do we even need witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. So talk to us. You were, you were talking about the value. Let's go to the value of these robes. And then yeah. we'll talk about the significance and then we'll end with uh, John chapter 11. Yeah, you know, it's really hard for us to get a context of, of how expensive these clothes are because, you know, you're wearing a red colored shirt that was made in China. You know, it wasn't super expensive to make. I've got different colors. Sorry, this side on my uh, sweatshirt and everything. and But at this time, everything would have had to be made from rich dyes that would have had different colors. And the high priests, their garments would have been very vibrant, very color saturated, meaning like they would come at a great cost. It would, it would take a lot to afford that kind of clothing. And so to, to not have any emphasis on him ripping his clothes would be like us having a million dollar check in our hand and grabbing it and just ripping it. You yeah. know, like there's a ton of value and it would get people's attention. Uh, and another reason to pay attention to that too is uh, learned that that was the, the high priest's proper response to hearing something blasphemous. So when, when people would see the high priest rip his robe or rip his inner garment, that means that there was blasphemy taking place, which is why he says, why do we even need another an account? You heard the blasphemy. So for, for Jesus to say, um, I, I am God, I am the Messiah, I am the son of the blessed one, which is the one that they've been realistically that they've been praying for and expecting. Yeah. Because they didn't recognize it, it, it appears as blasphemy. So we're going to we're going to end. Uh, Bradley brought something up that was super interesting before we started in this Bible study. So, Bradley, go ahead and tell us about John chapter 11. Yeah. So in Mark 60 or 1164, um, you know, it talks about the mafis, the blasphemy, um, and they all condemned him deserving of death. And in John, it kind of gives us a little insight about it. Uh, John 11, 47 and 48. 
it said, Then the chief priest, who would have been Caiaphas, the same man, uh, and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And so I believe that Caiaphas was also trying, you know, to protect his people. Like he knew that what Jesus was professing, what he was saying, like it was going to gather a bunch of people's attention, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Like he was, he was gaining reputation among the Roman, amongst the Jews, and he was gaining a huge following of people that were buying into what he was saying. And so I, Caiaphas, he ends up sentencing Jesus to death, but I believe that it was a misinterpretation of God inspired word. Like Jesus had to be put to death for our sins and for our redemption. But I believe Caiaphas is putting him to death because he's thinking God's asking him to protect his people from the Romans. So you're saying, let me, let me clarify this. You're, you're saying you think that Jesus was a threat, not, not only to the religious entity, but also to the Roman empire. And if Caiaphas yes. doesn't deal with that, then Rome's going to deal with the Jewish community. Yeah. That's, see, that's great. If you've ever watched The Chosen, it kind of comes off that way, too, that Jesus is kind of a disruption uh, because of the following that, he's te- that he has and the message that he's bringing. I mean, realistically, if you look through the Sermon on the Mount on Matthew, in Matthew 6 through 8, the, 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 the basis of it is that the kingdom of God doesn't look anything like Rome. It's like the opposite, or that the kingdom yeah. looks the opposite of United States culture, if we were to talk about it. Uh, a little bit more today, you know, so that's a, I think that's a, an awesome and interesting um, viewpoint to catch because Jesus realistically, if you think about it, this is what's cool. Okay. So if he's a threat to uh, the Roman and Jewish communities, if you look at the crucifixion and who put him on the cross, it was the Roman empire and the Jewish, the religious leaders. It was yeah. the Gentiles and the Jews that had Jesus crucified which I think is a representation that it was the sins of the world that put him on the cross, but also that he died for the forgiveness of sins for all of humanity, as First John yeah. would say. All right, Bradley, any concluding statements? Man, you know, <clears throat> just something to hit back on, you know, Jesus saying the I am statement, you know, like so many people read the Bible and they're like, man, Jesus never claims like I am God. But the Jewish culture didn't need there to be a God at the end of that for them to understand what he was saying. You know, like the I am that Jesus states is the same I am that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Yeah. And so I just think without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus claims to be God. He claims to be the son of God. He claims to be in intimate relationship with him. And and to deny that is to deny the Bible. And so... um it's, it's it's been a privilege to get to come on here and do this study with you, man. It's been a long time coming. Well, thank you, man. I'm glad you were here. Give Bradley a shout out down in the chat. Um, well, thank you for joining us this week. Next week, we will pick up. We'll finally finish chapter 14. And here's the reason why we do this. We want to grow together right where we are. We love you guys, and we hope to see you next week. 
Well, hey, that is our Wednesday Bible study. We just want to thank you so much again for joining us. And if you want to join us every week, if you'll click subscribe, this podcast will pop up right there for you. Again, we want to do this to grow together right where we are.